What no one warned me about and what no one really could have warned me about is what it would be like to be one of the first, one of the only. For fuck's sake, a theater podcast, a.k.a. 4FS Podcast, hosted by Aaron Salazar. Episode 8, A Hopeful Kiki. All right. Here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome. It's episode eight. It is our end of the residency of Cheech and Danny on For Fuck's Sake, a theater podcast for FS Podcast. It's been such a gift to have these boys here. I'm Aaron Salazar. If you're tuning in for the first time, I am an award-winning theater producer and director in New York City and all that goody, 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 goody stuff. And uh, you can check us out at Forest for fspodcast.com to find out some more about that. Cheech and Danny are luminaries in the theater. Danny Marin is the Danny Marin is the executive director and founder of Con Limon Productions in New York City, casually burning down the patriarchy with his work one glitter bomb of thought at a time. <laughs> I'm obsessed. If you haven't checked it out, check out C-O-N-L-I-M-O-N pro.com. Okay, get into it. There'll be a link. Click no. the links on the Instagram, kids. The links actually are magic. I, Daddy spends money on that, okay? So, like, click that damn link because it takes you somewhere for the picture. I was trying to be cute. I'm like, what are the kids into? Um, okay, but you he's done a million things, right? He's You might know him from J.R. Armstrong. Johnson's, I put a spell on you. Sherry and a Scott and Norbert Leo Butts's off the fucking hook two-hander that I've never quite recovered from. He was casually on an HBO show called Mrs. Fletcher, where he met Cheech. Go back to the episode to hear about that. Do some searching. And he also is an award-nominated Broadway World cabaret artist who has also killed it on the mic as a performer, singer, actor, comedian and general lube that brings together everybody. Lube? Connector. Lube. Mm-hmm. I love lube. Quadruple threat. Actor, yeah, all, all. dancer, lube. I'm, I'm updating all of my bios to say that now. Lube. Wow. Yeah, L-U-B. You should do it like the, like the French, like lube. Um, lube. I mean, you know, if, you know, boy butter. Okay, maybe we're, we might be losing people. Okay, we're back. Okay, and now let's talk about... <laughs> Manahar, Cheech Manahar, who is a reoccurring character on Mrs. Fletcher. If you miss his face on stage and you want to see Danny and him kicking together and getting paid, watch that shit, okay? Because it's a fucking great show. Um, I'm obsessed with her. Give us some royalties, man. Watch Please, the for the love of God, send us more residuals. What'd you say? For the oh. love of God, send us more residuals. Yes, send some more residuals this way. The kids, kids, you know, life is not free, my loves. Alrighty. And uh, he's playing Kevin G right now in Mean Girls on the Broadway. So get your tickets in advance for when we come back to that. And you're going to catch this beautiful boy kicking it out on stage, representing for all things not white and incredibly talented. Uh, he's also an incredible teacher, which I'm just going to plug you, kid. Slide into this kid's DMs because you want to learn some real masterclass shit? 
hit this young man up. And he's also a trained Bollywood dancer and masterclass teacher as well, all over the country and, dare I say, the world. Okay. We're here. We're queer. We're brown. And we're down. I just made that up. I'm Um, obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with it too. Lube, uh, anachronisms, uh, catchphrases, uh, and welcome to episode eight of the Theater Podcast. All right, kids. So, boys, how have you been this last week? How's it been going? Been good. I've been watching a lot of Legends of Korra on Netflix. Is it good? Um, I was like a big Avatar The Last Airbender kid and then kind of like missed the Legends of Korra train. So now as a 24-year-old watching Legends of Korra, I feel like my 12-year-old self again. And it's it's been rather lovely. Those are just some... That's smart television. I, I don't know anything about it. I'm going to have to get into it. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. If you haven't... If you haven't, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, <laughs> but... We believe in democracy here, kids. We do. <laughs> we believe but in <laughs> it is just so good. It is such good, intelligent, funny, lovely, heartfelt television. Avatar The Last Airbender. I am about halfway through Legends of Korra, and that's pretty delightful as well. Plus, like, you'll belong to a whole other fandom that just loves people. Like, the, the fandom of Avatar The Last Airbender, just there's such love in that community for each other. It is... It's like a, a whole other thing. It's like I'm brown and gay and lube and also Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> yes. My partner just got me uh, to start watching Avatar The Last Airbender. I feel like I had just weirdly missed that whole thing. Wait, who? who got you to watch it? My partner. Nice. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's so sweet and it teaches such like valuable lessons and like is so pro like feminism in in a lot of ways too and like i yeah i'm he's like kind of really timeless as well it ages really really well it's great is it animated Mm -hmm. i love all of that i love the possibilities of animation um uh, danny how are you how how have you been you're you've been working busting your ass executive producing like 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 a fucking boss yeah, I'm I'm lead producing a, a huge uh, project that is going to be announced uh, very very soon. Uh, gonna gonna tease that um, it's gonna be released in the fall in uh, the end of October. If that is not a hint, I don't know what is. But uh, it's it's looking, it's looking like a really incredible project that I'm working on with a really awesome team. Uh, it's just a lot of work. Uh, obviously producing is a lot. Uh, there are a lot of variables to it. And because, uh, this particular team with COVID consciousness is very small, um, we are putting in a lot of hours and wearing a lot of hats. Uh, but it's got a lot of, uh, Tony nominated, uh, performers and some television stars going Mm -hmm. to be involved. Um, it's funny because a couple people know about what this project is, and I got a, um, a page six uh, uh, text message image from somebody, and it was like NBC works with Broadway, and like there's so many problems, and I'm like, if we were working with NBC, you'd know about it by now. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not our project, but like you would know about it if I was working with NBC right here. No, mm, that's not us. <laughs> Hello, honey. Uh, no stranger. To page six. Me? Yeah, no, never. No stranger. All of you right now, if you are not having a fucking multitasking Google moment with that 
what was just said. Get into it. Um, it's deeply gratifying, actually. Uh, I'm obsessed with all of that. And I've also gotten, I've been lucky enough to be on the text end of like, and I'm like, son of a bitch, this is going to, it's going to be off the fucking hook, kid. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. It's going to be crazy. Get onto the mailing list. Get, go onto my website, get onto our mailing list because the moment that it gets announced, it's going to be one of the biggest things that Broadway has done in quarantine. And we're so excited about it. It is something that has never been done. Sign up for that fucking mailing list, people. And once again, touch the picture. Touch the picture on Instagram on 4FS underscore podcast, and it will take you directly to it. Touch it. Touch the picture. With some gloves on, please. With some gloves on, please. And then use some hand sanitizer. And But, you know, touch it with consent. Okay. I might cut that. Um... (laughs) Wonderful. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I think we were uh, to earlier, by the way, in our conversation, which I might have to start it. I, I am going to start a Patreon where you actually get to hear these kids, uh, all of us kind of talking about some, some real, we're going to call it the BTS, okay? Um, I was like, no, tell your friends that I'm totally approachable. <laughs> um, I am, trust me, I, I am. It's, this is a deeply impassioned couple hours of time on this podcast. All I, right, I, I, feel like, I feel like for that part of it, like you and I have very similar features on that end of it where I call it the brown scowl. Where I yes. don't realize that I'm just like, I look like I'm pissed, but I'm like so deep in thought. She just dying right now, but it's true. Like I just, I look like I have resting bitch face, but really, I well, no, you know, you know what, Danny? Not to not to discount what you're saying. It isn't even resting bitch face. It's like, do not talk to me. Face. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do it right now. No one can see. Yes, that is exactly. That is me, literally not moving a muscle in my face. It is just like. Do not approach me, which is weird because Danny, you and I are both the squishiest softies ever. I try to be. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a brown thing, but like I see that <laughs> on you guys, and I am like not phased by it at all. One hundred percent. If I were to see that face on a white guy, like I would move town. <laughs> <laughs> it's so real though i don't know what it oh is but God. so often i'm told like oh it took me a while to warm up to you because i just thought that you were mean and i'm just like no i'm just direct i've had really good buddies now be like i thought you hated me yeah. I'm like, what i'm like no that's uh, uh and it's true like within the within like i'm not phased by it like when i want we're all on camera right now when i see you guys focused and concentrating i don't for two seconds I don't right now. yeah i'm like yeah exactly <laughs> i'm like oh Cheech is listening danny's listening and the boys see me like literally come from behind my fan of the opera mic and i'm just like <laughs> they're like yeah aaron's listening to us like you know uh, it's so does everyone know that because of our dark features and heritage that it's just our way of concentrating? Have we learned nothing? I think there should be a Botox fund that just is just for right there and is just... Well, and to be honest with you, I'm almost, I'm sort of terrified by people that are always smiling. This just makes me really nervous. It makes me uncomfortable for sure. Yeah, you know, there's something very George Orwellian about that. Like, hello, welcome. <laughs> Pay no attention to everything burning behind me. <laughs> All is fine. Please comply and assimilate 
Thank you. It's just horrifying. But those are my favorite people to watch them have a meltdown because it's just like you watch the computer ship just completely crash. It's so gratifying. And I hate to say it. And like, I think we all grew up with it before. Like, well, no, you you guys actually probably had YouTube now that I think about it. But I remember seeing that shit happen in high school. It was so gratifying to watch like the perky person completely melt. Um, Not that I wish bad on them, but I'm like, oh, you're a person. How wonderful. Speaking of meltdowns, RNC, right? And um, I think it's just safe to say it's a shit show. All right, moving on. So um, <laughs> I, I did not I watch. I did I not refused. watch it. I did not watch it, but what I will say is I've seen a couple of the clips, and all it reminds me is that pastor that like blew the wind at COVID. Like that's all I'm saying. Like they're just oh super villains. Like it's just we're watching Suicide Squad like live action in real life. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, when you get a bunch of brown people being like, you are really yelling, that's quite serious. Okay. Um, Because I don't want to talk about them. With that being said, though, guys, I wanted to talk about something actionable. I'm sure a lot of us right now are all on very fixed economic situations for the most part. And uh, however, though, I kept thinking a lot about like, put your money where your mouth is. And so I signed up to donate five bucks a week. I did the math. I crunched the numbers. I was trying to stop. So I'm like, okay, 20 bucks a month through November. If there's a million people like me, I feel like that could be helpful. So I'm just throwing it out there that if sometimes we feel helpless as Democrats, and you're like, I know that I'm like in an echo chamber, I'm reposting, which all that shit's really good. And your social media is kind of an amazing way to campaign within your own circle <clears throat> and to educate your family and show them where you stand. Um, if you feel it, like, you know, drop that five bucks a month. Yes, they're going to send you 50 million more emails being like, can you give us more? Can you give us more? But that's the nature of campaigning. But just also know that you got a bunch of terrifying people on the other end who have unending money. And part of revolution is contribution. Why am I rhyming today? Um, I'm here for it. Okay, yeah, but, yeah, part of revolution is contribution, much in the same way as the Black Lives Matter movement. People were saying with all the variety of organizations, people were like, you know, sign, petition, educate, donate. It. I think it's safe to say that no one expects anyone to drop grocery money but it's like Cheech mentioned, if if what, two of you like banana bread, two million of you like banana bread, and if you literally drop someone three to five five bucks, there's going to be maybe a million more of you who feel like, oh, well, it's not much. But I, I really think that shit makes a difference. You know, it really, I think it really, it really helps. I mean, I, it was interesting to watch like the Okra Project, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of go from like donating to really seeing how, I think that the Okra Project grew on the backs of people who were like, I have five bucks, but here. You know what I mean? And then a million people are like, here's $5. And then you watch organizations grow. And so that's just my, don't feel any guilt about that. There's so many ways you can volunteer. I'm going to do the phone banking guys. And I'm terrified. I am too. Yeah. I I mean, I love the, the whole little setup of the scripts and you get to do it from home. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't enjoy being on a mic, Christ's sake. Um, Are you kidding? And so I'm going to try to like come at them safely, but you know, we're, we're going to get some shit said back to us. Like, let's just be ready for it. Um, But, you know, there's lots of ways you can actually put your... Be actionable during this campaign. So don't let money be the factor. But if you know that that 20 bucks a month might help, I'm just going to say as an endorsement, you know, or fuck it. Just give them $5. I'm just saying that, like, for that, you know, COVID dodging uh, red eye that you're going to buy, you can also throw a little cash at hopefully changing 
the current state of the administration. That's all, that's all I got to say about that. I just want to give some encouragement so that we don't feel so fucking helpless. Yeah, um, I mean, the whole thing is like, do what you can, right? And what you yes. can is like the big part of it. Every Everyone's capacity is a little bit different based on their current situation, both financially, emotionally, physically, if they, you know, if you're in a situation where you need to stay to to yourself for the health of other people, like, but you go to the extent of your capacity and you help to that extent. And that is enough and appreciated and will do some good. And it's not like maybe it will do some good. It will do some good. And so go do that. Yeah. That's great. And a big part of that too, on top of that is educating yourself on these organizations and knowing where the money goes to and what the causes are. And they're every single organization until the end of time. And from the start of time, you know, has pros and cons. So depending on where you are getting your information from, you could be getting misinformation. You could be getting a lack of communication. And so in order to kind of, if you can't donate money or you can't volunteer time, the more that you can read the literature and kind of see what is actual real information and can pass it along to people. Like we're in a world right now in social media where we share everything. And so Mm -hmm. if you're going to share something, make sure that it's accurate. And we have, I mean, we have supercomputers at our fingertips. So it's, it's not more than a Google to, to find out what is, what is accurate. Exactly. And there's actually, you know, fact-checking, there's fact-checking websites and that are nonpartisan and it's just, they literally just look up facts. That's, that's literally, and I know that sounds like a ridiculous thing that would make sense to most of us, but clearly it isn't. And so I actually would venture to say too, for all of us that, you know, we, I'm sure we all have people we love in our life who are getting a little influenced by things that have no basis in facts, which is sort of shocking. I think it's a good time to make yourself, even if it's just for yourself to not feel crazy, just to look it up and say, what is this accusation? Mm-hmm. You'll be able to find it. And then you'll see that it was fact-checked and there's no basis in it. Or if there is, then continue to unpack that for yourself. But like Danny said, in being informed and information is important right now. And also, I, I'd like to just add this and then we can move on. I'm really into the notion right now that like I don't want to feel divided by people in my life who might be misguided. I'm just going to say that as my own opinion, because I think that to divide, there's a need to want us to feel divided. And if we're divided, we can't make any progress. So I'm just putting it out there to you guys as a word of encouragement. I'm sure there's been a lot of conversations where you started shaking with someone in your life that you love, but like, don't let this divide us because then I just don't think the outcome is going to be any good and we can't make progress. Yes, I'm going to just before we move on from this, I'm I do want to counter that in saying that there's only so much that we can control. Mm. And if the other person is unwilling to listen while you are listening on the other end of it and willing to receive that information from their end, do not beat yourself up for it. There's only so much that we can do and there's only so much that's in our control. And ultimately, if they are unwilling to participate in that conversation in a healthy way, you cannot beat yourself up for that. Agreed. Yeah, and the more and more you have those conversations, the more that uh, internal calibration gets set, where you understand, oh, this is going to be a conversation that is productive, or this is going to be a conversation in which the person that I am talking to is dead set in not hearing me. And if that is the case, you know, uh, 
you stay informed, stay breezy and excuse yourself and maybe go have another conversation that will do some good. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree, which I think that that leads us into uh, 100% acknowledging the fact that even though we are in a place now where maybe our feeds don't look the way they did a couple months ago, uh, Black Lives Matter, it is not a trend. And it is obvious to anyone with two eyes. And once again, we have another issue, that another situation that happened with Jacob Blake who, as of today, is paralyzed from the waist down. And I think it's important that we just keep our eyes and ears open during this time. This is going to be used as political bait, which is fucking ridiculous. This isn't about politics. This is about humans. It's important that we know that that we're just at the very beginning of this. So last, in 2016... Just make it about politics, goddammit. We got complacent, and we can't get complacent now with human issues, let alone the politicians who are taking human fucking issues and turning it into politics, which is disgusting. Well, it brings me back to my same point about the organizations and doing your research and understanding what, what the facts are. And with this social media train that's happening, what I've counted is over 20 plus of my white friends who have posted their support for, for Jacob Blake, but thought that he died. They just mm. assumed he died, which is problematic in itself. Mm-hmm. We just, when, whenever we see support and we see these hashtags, we automatically assume that they have been murdered. Let's just put that out there. We've, mm-hmm. are, we've already in, had that ingrained into our systems, physically, psychologically, emotionally, that these people have been murdered. These black people have been murdered. And then it goes back to what I was saying in the sense that like, do the research, read the actual article that you are posting because people are posting the little squares, they're reposting them onto their Insta stories and saying, RIP, justice for, yes, justice for, yes, he's alive. Yes. He's alive. If you had read that article, you would know that he is currently uh, in a stable condition, but he is paralyzed from the waist down. I can't tell you, like my hands are shaking right now just because it's like the fact that we are in a time where all of this activism is happening, the ignorance that goes into it involved is just incredibly frustrating. Absolutely. Listen, no one is discounting you wanting to care and continue to spread information. Absolutely. I was just with a bunch of educators who all happen to be white. And it was incredibly heartening how heated their conversation was about how much work needs to get done and how they're not even satisfied with the work that's beginning. And so that made me feel a sense of, I'm going to use the word hope because like I keep going back to teach us things. If there's three non POC or black educators talking about this, with total fervor and determination to continue the unlearning, as they said, mm-hmm. of, of oppression and using the words, no tiptoeing around, like white supremacy, oppression, either or thinking, um, that hopefully there's millions of them who are having the talk and who are also not happy with even the initial training and educating that's happening and they're demanding more and they're having conversations about it amongst themselves off the record which means that unwatched they're putting their they're being earnest in their 
education and unlearning of oppressive systems. So I, I don't know. I find that to be interesting because we are who we are in a resting state, right? And so I'm sure that even your 20 white friends were well-meaning, but as we know, well-meaning is rough, right? It's a very complicated thing. And this is a human being with children, which is, I can't even begin to get into it right now on that because we're going to keep talking about this mm-hmm. moving forward in future episodes because this story is barely starting and it's just the, it's just the beginning of, of how this is going to unpack. But yes, facts, facts are important. I think we just all agree for fuck's sake, like read some facts. I don't know why everyone's so hesitant to just be factual. I'm not sure what it is. I know that there's a psychology there. What, what do you think, Cheech? I think it comes down to being intentional with your social media presence, with your word, with your discourse. It is okay to say, I can't speak about this because I don't know enough about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then go and learn more about it. It is, it is okay to go, will you tell me what you know about this so that I have some basis of understanding before you form an opinion. You know, it it is, it is okay to take the time to understand what is going on so that you can be intentional with the way that you want to help. And I think this is, this is something that has perhaps gone by the wayside with how immediate social media is. Yeah. Mm. It is it is incredibly um it is an incredibly immediate form of activism. And because of mm. that, it is an incredibly widespread form of activism, which is potentially positive in its own ways. But if we can harness that energy and also back it with this sense of intentionality, back it with this idea that we know what we're talking about. These are the concrete ways to help. And we're, you know, putting our actions where our mouth is, putting our money where our mouths are, and and do that. It, it could be an unstoppable force for good. Absolutely. Yes. Which, you know, kind of swings back around to the grand old uh, scandal uh, or hot topic of what we all sort of unpacked, not sort of, what we all unpacked was. TikTok being dangerous because of information and misinformation being spread, but Mm -hmm. also a lot of information and a lot of very strong opinions of kids who, with their intentionality, did their research, Mm -hmm. deeply edited those little damn clips, right? Because, I mean, that's a lot of work. Um, And we're fact-checking and then sharing information. And I I do agree. I, I really think it could be something that could be amazing. We'll see, you know, let, let, let's have some hope. Yeah, and I, and I mean, like, going back to what Cheech said as far as, like, the super cute computers being literally in our hands, like, anytime I read any of, anytime I see anything on social media, anytime I've seen something like uh, uh, a TikTok, I almost said Vine, oh my god, I'm old. Um, anytime I've read like, <laughs> TikTok being reposted, I watch the stuff and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And then I immediately go and research that thing and read five articles to better understand what the facts are and if it is real. And I, I, I think that that's important as far as the activism and advocacy, as far as being able to like understand 
what we're seeing and what we're processing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, and it is okay to not post. It yeah. is okay. Yes. Like, it is okay to do, to do the work privately. Mm. Mm. And well, I think, if, I think if posting on social media is not your jam, if that's like not what you want and you feel as though it's just going to be for show, then take the time, be intentional, do the work on your own, arm yourself with the facts and then help in the way that you can help. Mm -hmm. I think the problem that we're seeing right now with all of this oversharing and overposting and the immediacy that you're talking about, I think the problem, the biggest issue on that is that if you are not posting about it, if you're not advocating for these particular movements right now, you are seen as being anti the movement. And like, mm -hmm. it goes back to the black squares. I've, everybody posted that blackout day. Everybody posted that black square. Are those same people still posting things about it? Are they still learning? Like those people, I think about how many Broadway people posted and like have not continued on and how much shit they got as soon as they immediately started posting, like I'm on vacation, I'm doing, is like, what are you doing to continue this work? So it's like, it's this weird double-edged situation where it's like, if you are doing that work from home on your own privately, like outward facing, it doesn't look like you are. It's it's all very interesting to me. It's a very delicate balance. To be silent is to be complicit, or is what's happening right now in terms of like the algorithm, is it silence is violence? Mm. Kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, silence is violence is, is sort of the, the every every person's version of that. And while I'm sure that if you think about that, you're like the textbook definition of violence, you're like, well, I don't feel like I'm being violent. But you know, it's it's going back to some classic MLK shit. That, you know, it won't be the people who were the screamers and then the, holding the pitchforks and the fucking torches. It's the silent that really are the most guilty. And so I can imagine as a public figure, you know, you're, you, it's, it's a hard thing. Or, but the truth is, actually, fuck that shit. We're all fucking public figures now, at least in our own mind. You know, let alone in the entertainment industry. And, you know, even today from the feedback you guys said, you said, oh, blah, 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 is listening to this, and blah, 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 is listening to this, and gaga, gaga, gaga. And you're like, oh, shit, there is a platform. So it is that fine balance of making sure that there is the intentionality. But also, like, you can't just not say anything and then all of a sudden be like, look at me and Martha's Vineyard while the fucking world is burning to the ground. There does have to be some fucking balance, right? Yeah. Like, if you allow yourself, listen, exactly to Chisha's point, you don't have to post immediately. Right. Like I, to be honest with you, I was away and I wanted to unplug for mental health and I basically did. And then as I got back in and I started doing research, that's when I like chose to repost things on stories as I actually fact checked and wanted to make sure what was happening. And, but you're right. There is something about you're not doing it instantaneously. Mm -hmm. You're not in the instant pot of social justice. So therefore you are not helping it's 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 just like the the rallies and the marches i could not go because i am uh at risk with my lungs and so i could not i went the first day and i realized how many people were there and i was just like i'm so surrounded by people that i can't do it um so i had to remove myself but the amount of of, of uh protesting that i've done alongside the people that are actually out on the streets doing everything has been just as much. It's been just as much work. Well, we've talked about this too. There's all kinds of forms of activism and 
advocacy. And the truth of the matter is, it really is who you are behind closed doors. And if you choose to engage in the process that is deeply, deeply, deeply conflicting to actually create change, which leads us all back to, I'm just, oh, fuck, I'm just going to say it, to scream and put your life at risk and to be a bastion of actionable protest, but then to say, I'm not going to vote, to me, is a problem. Mm. That shit is a problem. And the truth of the matter is, you can't have it your way. Because we are locked into a fucking system that right now works a certain way. Do all of us fucking want shit to change? Uh, yeah. But there's one actionable way to not throw away your risk, your health, often fucking abuse of your actionable screaming on the streets in protest, which is your fucking right as an American, and then to sit back and to say, I'm going to prove an intellectual point right now when we are at a precipice of disaster. It's like all for naught. And I'm not shaming the people. I'm not calling anyone out. But the truth of the matter is, to continue forward with your actionability, you have to continue forward with the fact that there is no either or thinking. It it cannot be one or the other because nothing, it's all fucking gray. The DNC is gray. Yes. Is their crystal clear produced message really good right now? Fine. 100%. But you have to follow through to actually make those changes happen. And then once everyone's in office, we have to keep fighting on another different level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At At least that's my POV on it. And it might not be popular. No, I think there is something to be said about, like you were saying, it's who you are behind closed doors. It, it really does feel like um, an honor system, grade your own test kind of mm. deal. Where, if I may, I would like to tell like a tiny little story. Please. Um, I was Uncle recently. <laughs> I was recently in Michigan at my uh, boyfriend's home. It was the first time that I was in his home, and. I was spending some like safe, socially distanced time with him and his mother and his grandmother. And his grandmother has never voted up to this point and is in that camp that says, at least publicly, that they that she is unbothered by the fact that she doesn't vote. And there I have never been like more proud to be associated with someone than when I saw my boyfriend's mother stop everything and have a full, I think, 90-minute conversation where the three of us tried to convince her to register to vote across every different angle. She 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 was like, I'm I'm gonna dig my heels in. And it was very clear that she had had this conversation before that she would continue to have this conversation with her mother but i was i i was so taken aback where i went there there is no camera in her face right now she's not posting on social media we are at uh like a we're playing cards as a family mm-hmm. and 
here she is taking this opportunity to really fight the good fight to get her grandmother, uh, to get her mother, to get um, my boyfriend's grandmother registered to vote. How cool is that? Yeah, that's awesome. How cool is that that she she took the time to go and do that within within this uh, moment to have that tough conversation at this time to extend a hand to the older generation and go, you know what? It is not too late for you to make a real change in our country. It was a real kind of teachable moment for me, for me to go, these are the moments. It is in moments like this that you grade your own test, Mm. that the honor system becomes evident, that you see if you really have earned that, that B plus, that A on your, your activism, your advocacy. So, you know, just shout outs to, to my boyfriend's mom. I think you're really, really cool and you really inspired me that day. I love everything about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I, I do want to bring it back to um, Jacob Blake for, for a moment too. Um, yes, please. Because I think that this is a big part of, of what kind of change we're going to need to uh, enforce in the, in the next couple of months, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're, gonna, we're about to see a huge uh, fast track on how much more work people are going to be doing. The fact that people are, that black people are being murdered every single day by police officers, the fact that we are still seeing our trans sisters being murdered, our, mm-hmm. our, our trans sisters of color being murdered every single day, LA, them being beat up and people filming and laughing at them. I think we're going to, we're about to really get hit the, the tipping point of this whole thing. Because one of the things that I saw online that was like, fuck yeah, was the police officer that shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back did it in, with the intention to murder him. That was the intention. And he did not achieve that goal. Jacob Blake is still alive. And I, I am not a religious person, but I send really great energy to him and to his family and to his children who have, you know, are going to have so many emotional scars from witnessing their father being shot several times in the back. The platform that he is about to have as the person that survived Mm -hmm. all of this is going to be massive. The lawsuit he is about to have and the platform that he's going to be able to have for activism is going to be like something we have never seen before. And I feel that in my heart. I feel that that is coming. I believe justice for Breonna Taylor is coming. I do. I really do. The fact that we are still saying her name, while it is the, the, the fad, as you will, of, of the you know saying her name and posting about her, while that has slowly simmered, it's still, it's still on, it, the pot is still cooking. Yes. And this is about to become a wild ride because people are fucking furious. Yes. As we should be. So I, I just wanted to make sure that we said that because what happened to Jacob Blake, what happened to Brianna Taylor, none of those things are segues. None of those are things that we can, while they are being politicized in the conversations that we are having because they are important, they are still human beings. Mm-hmm. And what happened to them and what has happened and what will happen to countless others cannot go as a segue. And we need to see some reform. It has to happen. Yes. Fucking vote and get involved was, what I think, what the general... Consensus? That is the consensus right now, is be involved and vote. 
and be actionable. Fill out your senses. Fill out your senses. Fill out your senses. Oh, can I speak to that? Really? uh, We always are like, by the way, it should be said that we got on this mic today and we're like, let's have a little gay kiki about theater. So we will. We will. We'll let everyone breathe and recalibrate. Then we'll come back and be like, it was December of 1987 and I saw anything goes. It was actually 1995. Okay, so the census, to speak to maybe the demographic that I'm representing. So as we know, there was the talk that queer people, gay people, not straight people, were not going to be counted in the census. That, to me, frankly, is not what made me not want to fully not participate because I know how important it is to representation. But I was like, really? So we're just... And I couldn't believe that actually, frankly, the gay community wasn't more uproarious about that. But... That was initially the thing for me that made me very much, I'm just going to say, I go, fuck you. Like, oh, I don't exist. But filling out your census is important. And <laughs> I know this is silly. No, it's not silly, but they really got me. When I saw Billy Porter sashaying down the street to fill out my census, this Mexican homosexual was like, shit, I got to fill it out. Billy just reminded me, tipping down the street, you know, so... Also, shout out to Curtis Holland, former uh, Mean Girls cast member, who is the incredible tapper in that video. Yeah, yeah Curtis Holland. Shout out to Curtis. Work. Um, but no, that ad really got me too. I was yeah. like, oh my God, yes, I do. And we've, we have, we filled out our census uh, a while ago at this point, but it heartens me to see the amount of information out there and the, the amount of campaigning out there that goes black communities, brown communities, we are historically underrepresented in our census and we have much, much more speaking power than the statistics up to this point have given us credit for. Did you guys yes. party bees? Cardi B census. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. You guys have to watch it. Immediately. We need to have a viewing party. It's so good. It came out a while ago, which is Cardi B is the one that was like, oh, I should, I, that's a good reminder. I should go fill that up right now. Um, she did it in two languages. And she, Come on. And it was what I love Cardi B. And <laughs> I love Cardi B. In, What's not to love? In her, in her problematic states, like, yeah, like there are things, which I will say is a cultural thing for the most part. So it's things that need to be relearned. Let's just say that going forward. But the thing that I love about Cardi B is that she's like, hi, I'm not stupid. I'm going to talk about all of this stuff. And if you don't listen, if you don't want to listen to me, you're not a fan. And I'm just like, good for you. Lose those fans. You don't need them. And fucking release WAP and like call it a day. Like, please. What do you mean culturally in terms of like... Um, I feel like um, there's a lot of inherent racism that it comes with being a brown person. That is yes. a generational thing that comes with it. Yeah. So the, yeah. the way that we've learned things, there have been a lot of relearning... Uh, in terms of assimilation, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And like the way that we view other people in a certain way, like there there is like terminology that is that I didn't even know that was a racial thing of like how we speak to our uh, Asian brothers and sisters. Yep. I had no, mm-hmm. I just had no mm-hmm. idea. It just, it was so fully ingrained in me. There are little isms that mm-hmm. I just had no idea. Microaggressions. Yeah. I just had, mm-hmm. I just had absolutely no idea. Yeah, I now I 100% hear what you're saying. And also let us not forget that Cardi B was the literal m- mythical siren and literal siren of letting everyone know coronavirus. It was all on our tip of our tongue when she was like, Mm-mm, 
get ready. Like she, who would have ever thought that she would have been like the siren? Coronavirus. I'm telling you, shit is real. Shit is getting real. I mean, it was really when it became on the, everyone had heard, but no one really wanted to deal with yet. And she was the one that was like, no, 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 get ready. It's coming. Which, you know, I'm not, really, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, by the way, I'm not, I don't want to turn that into humor, but I just was so fascinated in terms of pop culture that she was the first major, enormously famous figure to quite literally scream it at the top of her lungs to the public. Yeah. What I really adore about her is that she does not wait for permission to speak. Like, yes. she does not wait for permission to be taken seriously. Yeah. She yeah. takes herself very seriously when she, it, and, and these topics that she speaks about actually quite knowledgeable, knowledgeably. Yes. Um, she, she speaks with uh, such control over the topic. And sometimes people laugh and sometimes people don't take her seriously. And it does not phase her. Yes. It, she does not wait for permission to speak about these things she i have a lot of i have a lot of respect for her i do agree that she has she has some problematic tendencies as as does like the nature of rap culture absolutely throughout time it's it's bred from politics right like rap is bred from oppression so there there is of course going to be that kind of culture clash that exists but i i do have great respect for what she has done from just giving a voice to important, important subjects, especially subjects that are important uh, for the Black community, the Brown community to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and unapologetically authentic about it, which is, you know, people sometimes, you know, they misjudge authenticity for a lack of intelligence, which is incorrect. Well, uh, well, there's a couple yeah, things yeah. that go with it, with with Cardi B in particular, and then we can move on. But no, please, it's the fact that she's from the Bronx, so it's a classism thing. It's the fact that One, she's exactly she's mm-hmm. uh, uh, of a woman. Hello, we're still misogynist as shit. Also, that she is America. a rapper, but also that yeah. she is af. Can we fact check that? Yeah, it's. Uh, Is my producer here? Daughter of a Dominican father and Trinidadian mother. Done and done and done and done. And done. So, so, like I was saying, because like the first thing that I was like, is this problematic that she's saying the N word? And then also, is this problematic that she has a song that's like Latino, like la- Latinx, like themed? So, like, I did that research and I was just like, good for you. You better fucking show every single side of your culture. You better. She's just, her publicist must have a goddamn field day and must be rich. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm sure her lawyer's like, I fucking love this woman. <laughs> um, you know, like, what a great client to have, especially because, you know, her lawyer must, is like, it has to be one of those people who's like, <laughs> go fuck off. It's called freedom of speech. Um, speaking of freedom of speech, boys, I, I wanted to uh, shout out one of our listeners uh, on air who we've been getting a lot of really wonderful feedback from from all of you lovely people listening, and you've been saying some really beautiful things formally on iTunes and five-star ratings, which I'm so grateful for. Please keep them coming because it helps us get seen and hopefully continue to grow and keep communicating with you. But um, this young gentleman, apropos of nothing, uh, goes by Philip. Uh, he, he hit me up, apropos of nothing, uh, on my director Salazar Instagram, which please follow me. It's my professional Instagram. Uh, hi, I just wanted to let you know, I love your podcast and what you do with it. I've been listening to it lately on my way to work and it's super interesting to hear about all these topics. It's 
partially because of the fact I'm originally from the country where racial issues often aren't discussed at all for various reasons, in parentheses, Central Europe and in the UK where I reside right now. The whole conversation often gets very confused. I'm not excusing anyone. But I'd never even thought about many of the things you discuss with your guest. Thanks for bringing all of this to a young white queen in the middle of Scottish nowhere. I'll make sure all my friends are listening as well and really looking forward to whatever you have to unpack in the upcoming episodes. Then I, I talked back to him. I was so, it was such a wonderful thing to get this before we recorded. And he said that he really likes that we talk about these things in such a gentle but very direct way of learning about what's been going on. Uh, I think somebody had mentioned it on your podcast that by adding a face to these causes, people relate more and finally see what the fuck is going on, as shitty as it is that our society hasn't learned any of these things in the past. It's definitely a great way to bring this now to a larger audience. I mean, yo. That's like, what a, it's fu- That's, that's fucking amazing to me. I, I and For what it's worth, and it's like, I'm so happy that we're all just on here I think it's safe to say just being ourselves. I mean, there's no artifice. Well, I mean, that was the whole point is it was like, actually, I'm I'm going to, not to like talk up the, no, let's talk up the show a little bit. But I just really wanted to be in a place where I'm like, can we just not be artificial? What if we, everyone just got on the mic and just actually said what they thought, but like in a constructive way, there was never an idea of like, oh yeah, let's just talk shit about a bunch of people and not try to be actionable on any level. But like, what if we just actually shared our genuine opinion from our point of view as people of color, from a theater person's point of view. Because it's like, I talked about this shit, man. We literally spend our entire lives thinking about the human condition outside of the logistics of trying to further our career, right? Mm -hmm. And we're obsessed with a collective group of humans and their feelings about our work. And ultimately, I think that what we're all chasing is being of service to the human condition. Yeah. And making people feel collectively like we're not alone. That's how I feel about it. And it occurred to me, why don't we talk more with people who spend their lives doing this about the way we're absorbing what's happening in the world? Because we're super tuned into it, which isn't to say we're more qualified or less qualified than fucking anyone else to talk about this. But we deeply, deeply marinate and meditate on humanity at all times if we're being earnest in what we're chasing. There's plenty of people who chase this for other reasons, and that's okay too. That's okay. It doesn't make you less of an artist if you're chasing this as more of a sport. Good for you. Good for you. Like, you're still good. You still put the work in. It's incredibly difficult. But then I think that most of us are chasing this ultimately to be of service to the human condition. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of the very similar feedback in the fact that this podcast has a meditation break. The fact that, um, you know, we're talking about the topics that we are. I think listening to a lot of this stuff on the news is really stressful and anxiety inducing. And I think, and it goes back to what you said week one, Cheech, like if one person feels the same way and thinks the same way about you, um, the way that you do, then like you saying out loud is going to resonate to some people. And what I found the most in conversation with people talking about, um, giving feedback about this particular podcast and what we've done in the last month is this idea of verbalizing things in a way that is, they just did not know how to say it out loud. They knew that they felt that way, but somebody on this podcast said it 
exactly like, oh, thank you for saying that. Like, thank you for putting those words into like how I feel. I, I just think that that is so important. And the fact, the fact that we are not scripted and the fact that we are uh, as transparent as possible, like we are three of the kindest people in this industry. Like you two are two of the nicest people I've met in this industry for sure. Mm. That makes me feel comfortable t- being able to uh, get into my feelings and get into my brown rage. But really it's, it's, it's become a platform to be able to express those things that if I was speaking in a round table, look, I watch those vanity fair round tables. Oh, honey, they get messy. Who doesn't they get, mm-hmm. they get messy because yeah. the two persons of color are just like really Jennifer Aniston. That's how you feel about that. I just watched one yesterday. So don't mind me, but sorry, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston I don't know you. I'm sure you're a nice person. Yeah. Uh, mm. Mm. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's this idea of having a safe space and the fact that we can talk about this and relate to one another and be like, ah, yes. Going off of that thought, it's, it's, it's just been a really incredible month to be able to kind of process what's happening in the world, what we can do moving forward and, uh, relating to some people that we don't really get to talk to about these topics often with. Yes. You know, we spend a lot of our time pitching, Mm. um, and if not pitching, creating, and then, you know, like ruminating. So oftentimes when we're with people, we're trying to make something happen. And it's nice to kind of be in a situation where we're not pitching the thoughts. When we say pitching, I mean, pitching the, the, the ball of, of the creative thought that we're like, maybe there's something there. Maybe they could turn that into something. One, to, to offer to you as an audience. And two, to figure out how to eat. <laughs> I mean, if we really get to the base of it. It is kind of refreshing to be in a situation where I am not the Brown spokesperson. It's also really uh, lovely to be in a situation where the conversation doesn't necessarily revolve around my brownness. It's like every once in a while going through my life, I just, um, I get these experiences with people where I get to, for a moment, forget about the fact that I, that I live within a minority and that I just get to be a person that Mm -hmm. has opinions and that can have conversations about things. And I think, uh, especially as a theater artist, those experiences are few and far between. And it's been really, really lovely to spend a whole month of having that experience. The process, right? There's something about process. Mm-hmm. It's like as a director, I, I, ta- I talked about this to Cheech on the last episode. I think process garners really genuine discovery. And as theater people, we kind of get together and we're sort of like a little like like pile of puppies. And then we discover and create things. And I think it's when we're at our best when we get a chance to discover. Like, we can all be shot out of a cannon and create something. We, we can because we're professionals, period, right? That's, that's, all, that's where all your training comes in. Hey, can you turn this around in a week? I can. Great. But ultimately, <laughs> we, yeah, you know, we've all done it. We've all done yeah. it. But, you know, but when you get some time to process, it, it's much more fruitful. Yeah, and you know maybe that's subjective, but but it is. It just it just is. It is what it is. Anyway, I love you guys. And on that note, we're gonna take a little. Re- if you haven't done it, here it is. It's coming. Get cozy. It's time to recalibrate. Then we're gonna come back, and three gay brown boys are gonna kiki about the theater. All right. 
We will be <laughs> right back. Hi, this is Aaron, your host and producer of the show. So there's a lot happening right now in the world. And rather than take a moment to have a commercial, I thought it would be nice for us to take a moment and recalibrate. How does that sound? Excellent. Okay, so get comfortable, and we're going to take a deep breath in, and a deep breath out. Deep breath in, and just let it out. All right. Now close your eyes, and breathe. Normally. Perfect. I hope you feel a little better now. And just remember, you are perfect. And you are loved. Okay. Let's get back to the show. We're back. Let's talk about some theater, boys. So if you went into episode... Is it episode five that the first time you guys discussed how you met and you were always mm-hmm. together? Yeah. So uh, just so you know that these boys were being 100% honest, not that you didn't think they were, they have had yet another confirmation that Danny Marin and Cheech Manahar somehow are the same person. <laughs> uh, which is problematic, which is unpacked in episode five. Uh, boys, please fill us in. 
Um, I just asked, um, and if you could just bleep the title of the show. Uh, sure. How- yeah, that's true. It'll be fun. I love bleeping. Cheech, um, you went in for uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, right? Bleep. Sure did. Great. Um, tell me, and- <laughs> did you have to do the whole packet, the two sides and oh, yeah. the songs? There's two, there's two sides. There were two songs. Um, what did, and you, what did I, you say for your, like, I, I actually did, I did a Cardi B rap. For my, I love that. For I, my second, I, for my second song, I did a Rihanna song. Part, the same role. You both were up for the same role. Mm-hmm. Was it for? Yeah, because we're saying the same song. Yeah, of course. Um, but I, I remember having this moment while I was filming it. I remember going, "This feels like if we were in person doing this, that I would be, <laughs> I would be meeting Danny at this audition." Yes, yes. yes. I, I feel so. Um, like kind of elated to know that it, in fact we did both self tape for this role. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. It's just like every time I get something, I'm just like, Chich and I are probably going in for it. Did you also have to do the side that got canceled of the show that just got canceled on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. Great. These are major, major, major studios, ladies and gentlemen, that Danny and Cheech are clearly problematically being considered the same person. No, but like it, they were like general types and like general types. Okay, fine. Like they were like not race specific. One of the songs okay. we had to sing was like a little questionable, but I was like, maybe if like they do it right, then like, uh, who knows? Yeah. But Are the characters queer or gay? I they, or not. The, I the, think one of them is the first the, one was the one that got canceled was definitely queer. The other one was not super specific. I like, made it a choice to be queer and mm-hmm. like, I, I made it to like be like gay Evan Hansen was like my choice. Fair. Um, <laughs> wow. Gay Evan Hansen. You know, okay. as that, that. you guys haven't read the sides, but that was a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But literally as I was singing the song, the bleeped out song, um, I was literally like a bad actor here, but I was just like, I wonder what she's just doing for this particular moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's so good i would like to point out though that like this kind of joy that like two pocs feel when we are um both succeeding and like when we're both like kind of in the same boat like we as a community like that is the norm yeah like we need to yeah. make that the norm it's like not competitive I, at all i've never felt competition with you if anything and i said this before if anything knowing that you're going in for these same roles i'm like i hope if i don't get it cheech gets it or i hope they like this enough that they have us be fucking like friends on the show like th- there can be more than one brown person on a show at a time per episode and like Mrs. Fletcher was a great example of that, but it's like there can be more of this. And yeah, we we need to be able to create the room for for one another. And that starts when we're outside of the room. When we're outside of the audition room, that is where it begins. Yeah. Uh you because you you make some really incredible friends. And then um on the on the other side of the audition, do you have some incredible stories to yeah. share with one another? No, I completely agree. And what is so interesting to me is that like when we first started to become friendly and sing each other at all these auditions, there was one particular audition that was like a big thing that was at Telsey. And I remember 
seeing your name on the list and being incredibly nervous. I was already nervous about going in the room, but then having to go after you, I was literally like, I thought I remembered all my lines. I'm definitely not off book. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. What are the lines? And you came out and I will never forget this. It is like what really gravitated me towards you. You came out and it's just like, how'd you do? And you're just like, yeah, I didn't do very well. They're very nice though. It was just like so honest and just like so chill and so not competitive. Like, don't talk to me that it was just, it it was just that moment of clarity for me that I was just like, we can all do this together. It's not a competition. We're all, Mm. we are all colleagues in all of this. Be fucking nice. We're all team players. Be a team. Yeah. It's it's my favorite thing about about theater. I feel like it's a little early in the gay kiki to be like, this is my favorite thing about theater. Please do. But um, I I love meeting people. Like, I love talking to people. I love working with people. And outside of audition rooms is where you see... It's like where you can see both the realest side of people and the fakest side of people. And that in itself is a wonderful game to play. <laughs> but like if we if we all take the moment to just like recognize that um our fellow black and brown actors are not taking our slots. Yes. Like when when they succeed, it's not um it's not it it doesn't remove a job opportunity that like could have gone to us. And I have to, you know, I'm gonna Check, check myself here because I definitely had a moment like this the other day where I saw a press release go out and it was for something that I had a callback scheduled for and never got to do because of the shutdown. And I went, ah, oh, that could have been me. And then I had to take a second and go, you know what? It is okay. Like there is room for all of us. He is not taking my slot. I should not be tearing down another successful brown actor it was not promised to us and i think that that's the way of going about it because a hundred percent i actually what is funny enough is i was in final callbacks for kinky boots and uh a lo- long many year ago um but i i I, uh, I i was in final callbacks and um i did not get the show i did not book and i remember uh uh, I was working with Alex Brightman at the time. Um, you may have heard of him, two-time Tony nominee. Um, I was working with him um, in a, in a masterclass and we were having conversation and he was like, what's going on? How are auditions? And I was just like, yeah, I just like found out today that I didn't book. Like, I'm really disappointed. They're rehearsing right now. I should be in that thing. And he said to me and looked me dead in the face and said, I'm really disappointed in you, man. And literally like a dagger to my heart. And I said, what? And he goes, you weren't promised that role. That was someone else's job. You should be proud that they get to be in the room. One day you'll be that person and you'll be in the room. That was not your promised job. It was not your time. So don't, don't take it as someone else took your job. It was never your job to begin with. And I've had to apply that in so many situations where I'm just like really disappointed that I did not book. And also understanding like I'm so excited for the person that did book the job. It could yeah. be a life career changing job yeah they didn't take your job they got their job and that is something to be celebrated absolutely and and i just think that there we have learned in our theater schools we have learned in working in community theaters uh we have learned by watching a chorus line that like i Mm. 
oh God, I need this job. Please let me get this job. And like, it's, it's a competition is what we've learned. And it's so not, it's so not. Yes. You know, I'm curious from my side of the table, I hope that one of the things that happens for directors is that a bit of the gatekeeping gets released. Mm -hmm. Because on my side of the table, that gate, it's open in the sense that if you're of a certain size, and I'll say that demographically, you can get in. But it's very intense. And there's less of us, even though there's more of us. And then what's interesting, too, is that within the non-white directors is getting pigeonholed into being like, oh, you're only going to work on this type of material. Mm -hmm. So I'm Mm. curious to see how the evolution goes with that side, which is the key to the side that's in front of the footlights. I say that as an old metaphor example. It's going to be paramount to what happens there. And I hope I hope I can't feel competitive with other Latin directors because there are none to be competitive with in a commercially successful setting. Yeah, absolutely. There's not enough of us that I only celebrate them. That I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, look at what's happening. It happened. And I'm so excited and like weirdly want to be their friend, but we're very invert. We're not a social kind like actors in that way. You know, you sort of wave at each other. Good job. <laughs> but you don't go get lunch. Yeah. Which maybe we need to fix that too. So I'm hoping, it's interesting, that camaraderie is there in the sense that I feel so happy for them because there's not even enough people to get mad at, you know? But I, uh, I think that the big part of that is going to be the change that we have to do and and going into like what we've talked about this whole time and just kind of wrapping up our month is that in order to see change, we have to create it. Yes. And, and it was a big reason why I started my company, One, um, and named Plug it, plug it, baby, plug the company. Plug it, plug it. It's the reason why I named it actually Conimon Productions. Um, yeah. my, first, my first question um, <laughs> to my white partner was, uh, is this going to steer people away from my company and wanting to work with it because they're going to think that it is a POC only club and I've gotten a lot of, well, I know you're not looking for white people. And it's like, no, the whole point is about advocacy and amplification. White people are more than welcome to join the party. They just have to jump on board with what it is that we are uh, proceeding with. It's where you stand. Yes. And if you're not into that, you're not welcome. And so, and so ultimately I decided to move forward with the name of it because I was just like, if, if you, uh, uh, big people who want to then invest in my company only see my company as only telling brown stories, then this is not the company for you. This is just showing that we can do so much more. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I feel a certain kind of way about it. Um, I still get spoken to as a big producer leading a big project that's coming out that a lot of people in our industry know about. Um, I'm still the second person to my white counterparts um, where people don't even look me in the eye. Um, where I have to raise my hand and say, hello, um, I know you're directing the question at them, but the question that you're asking is directed towards me, so you can look at me in the face. Hello, I'm standing right here. Um, so it's it's all very 
important for us to maintain our ground and hold our ground and say, hi, we are changing things. We're not going away. And we're, we're only making room for ourselves. Absolutely. I was so inspired by Knock Down the House. Is that what the name of the docu was? And AOC was having that moment right before she found out she got elected where she was moving her hands in front of her like in a circular motion. And she was going, I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I am mature enough. I do have the voice. And it, it really touched me as, as a Latin creator. Uh, you know what I did in, in, in during the pandemic is I realized I wanted an umbrella production company. So I started Alvarez Kiko Salazar Productions, which is my grandma's maiden name because I'm very moved by the story of my great grandma. Kiko is my grandfather's nickname. And then Salazar is my dad's side of the family's name. And again, with the mission of being the change and just actually doing the damn, which is what that timestamp is, that this is the very first thing that AKS is doing. So it's like exactly what you're doing. We're just going to do the work and set a precedent. And then hopefully people jump on board. But the truth is, I don't know, I think we're coming from the same place, Danny. We've been so excluded that that's not the point of anything I think we're trying to create. This isn't about exclusion. This is about inclusion. <laughs> I think it's it's learning the lesson that while we have been excluded from a bigger part of our industry by not doing the same. If we again, yes. if, if we want to see the change, it's about learning about what it is that we did not like about it and flip it on its head and say, "Cool, everybody is welcome to this party." I'm not just saying that. I'm not just yes. I'm not just casting people who don't look like me. Our creative team our post-creative team, our, you know what I mean? Our company managers are, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that we have to be so mindful of that we are not just saying, well, you know what? I'm going to, we really should look for like, we, we don't have any Asian representation in our company, so we should find that. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not that it's, it's finding the best people for these jobs and these roles and these titles and also like expanding your pool of people. If you don't, if you are not friends with a company manager who is not white, that's a problem on your end. Mm. While they are people that we have worked with, there is a reason why you have not maintained. You know more stage managers of color than you know. You just not have. You have not garnered those relationships. You have not fostered those relationships, and that goes with every category across the board. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. And how are you feeling about all of this in terms of? being the person right here representing what it is now to be part of the broader community, the notion of inclusion rather than exclusion. Yeah, I think that um, one, people always warned me that it was going to be like very, very difficult to get to the place that I have now gotten to. They always warned me that there was going to be like a tough road ahead of me. Um, what no one warned me about and what no one really could have warned me about is what it would be like to be one of the first, one of the only. Wow. Once I was here, there was going to be a whole new set of issues that I had to deal with um, that there, that I could find that I could go nine months and be the only Indian on Broadway period mm-hmm. that I was, I know, I think two, two Indians that are like significantly older than me in the world of musical theater 
and I only kind of know them. You know what I mean? Like I don't have mentors to really look up to that look like me and what that struggle is like. And so the thing that has become really kind of painfully uh, obvious to me is that I am, I will have to contribute to the positive cycle and still feel the effects of the negative cycle. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that is something that, that is something that will be my career burden. And that's something that I have to steel myself against and prepare myself for. And if I am okay undertaking that, only then can I step forward. Um, and that is, that, that really, uh, it, it became kind of crystal clear to me that I'm, I'm, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to do everything I can to raise the people around me up to make the change, even if I don't necessarily feel that change on a day-to-day basis. Okay. I know I'm a crybaby because like I'm tearing up, but, um, huge, I have to say like, it is, it has been and is such an honor to know you. And I like mean that from the bottom of my heart, like you're going to be such a big fucking star on Broadway and in the film world. Like you really are like, you just, you just ooze kindness and positivity and you're so talented and what it is that you want and have been working towards and saying what you just said, like you are you are the future of Broadway. Danny. No, I, I, re- I really a hundred percent there. I work with a lot of fucking people in this industry. I have, and have built relationships with, and there has not been somebody that I have gravitated towards quicker and more honestly than with you. And I'm just, I'm just, just to say my nice little thing. I just, I'm just really grateful to know you. I'm so glad our auditions have brought us together. This is what can happen. Like, this is really what can happen if, if you are like kind to the people around you in auditions is that they, they will remember you and down the line, they will go, Hey, I'm doing this podcast. Will you do this podcast with me? And it is a no brainer to say yes. I I have such respect for the people that, that do the work that put themselves out there and that really, really go for it. And I feel like both of you fall into that category and it is really, it is difficult to do it. And you don't do it because you expect to get paid out it, paid for it, or you expect to get, you know, like your name in lights or whatever. I mean, of course, there's a small part of us that, that loves applause, right? Of course. But <laughs> just Danny, call, both I was like, yeah. Just call me Twinkerbell. I, that's right. Hey. But at the same time, like you do it because you know you have to. You yes. do the hard work because you know that unless you do it, it won't get done. Yeah. Mm. And and to to add to the sentiment of of what you're what you both are saying, which is incredibly touching, you know that was the thing with Danny was you know you you've been such a wonderful bridge. I'm so grateful to you for bringing Cheech on board because of I think the thing we're actually if there's an analogy to use, it's literally the the bridge of of genuine authenticity because that generally tends to equal that people are kind, and even if. 
And kindness looks different. I met Danny while he was working. We were both working in very different capacities, both with a great deal of stress, yet we were cool enough to be human beings with each other that it's like two light forces go, oh yeah, I see what you're about. Like, I get your vibe, right? And when I reached out to Danny, apropos of nothing, just like, hey, I don't know if you remember me. And I think he said something, he said, oh yeah, you're like the sweetest. I'll totally do your fucking show. And actually, I know someone who's the sweetest, Cheech. And it all happened that way. And maybe this is something to just be said to everyone. It's like, simply because we all had kindness as something that wasn't forced, but just because, I mean, well, why not? Like, why not? For all of our vim and vigor on this show, and, you know, you know, the fact that we're very deeply opinionated, all of us are deeply opinionated people and we get heated, you you can have a certain kind of rowdy bliss about yourself that doesn't have to equal a lack of empathy and kindness. And it's I feel so lucky to, that I've gotten to get to know all of you artists because it's so fucking invigorating. And honestly, it's really making me feel like there's hope and that none of us are as alone as we think we are. I'm not that we feel alone, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah, there are like-minded people out there. And frankly, I'm excited to see how we all progress in our careers and continue down the road to be like, "Mm, I actually know somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? Because first things first is the vetting of a human being is the most important part. It's the one thing I can say from working in a very famous cabaret space. Whenever the icon showed up, everyone would always be like, oh, what's it? what are they like? I'm like, the only consistent thing about all these icons, and I mean the icon icons, is they're fucking kind. And they're authentic. Yeah, That was it. That's the only thing they all had in common. Different temperaments, different styles, different everything, different energies. But they just all were incredibly kind and human. And... And that's really how, one, you make it in life, but in the theestra, that's really what it's about, you know? And if you're a young person pursuing this at the beginning, competitiveness, think about your competition, your competitiveness as your desire for, it's okay to have, wait, what's the word I'm looking for? That desire, your, your drive. Yes, your competitiveness and your drive can be one and the same, but just know that that's your drive. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to worry about anyone else stealing your thunder like Alex Brightman taught you. Melissa Erico said to me once when we were having lunch, I was being self-deprecating and this was like, you know, a very theater moment, like, like yours. <laughs> you know, she goes, Aaron, I'm going to say something to you that Sondheim said to me in an email. Like, eating tuna niswa. I'm like, okay. She's like, nobody likes to see someone who's being self-deprecating. The audience doesn't want that. They want you to believe in yourself. So just believe in yourself. And I'm I'm misquoting Sondheim, but that hit me like a ton of bricks because I think as artists, oftentimes we have a little bit of self-deprecation. We sort of show up being like, ums, ums to a little artist, please. But the truth of the matter is we have to infuse things with our confidence because that confidence is light and not confuse it for arrogance. Well, yes, 100%. I, I, I don't know if it's a brown person thing or if it's just like a self-defense kind of thing as, as a queer person or whatever, but I know I know, my brand is all self deprecation. Like if you've seen any of my shows, 
the whole thing is just making fun of myself or interactions that I've done. Like my entire show of mediocre at best is about how I, I mean, like, right, right, right. Period. No, no, literally period. Uh, The whole thing is about (laughs) going into an audition and being like, I just killed it. I worked hard. And they're like, you were so good. That's the best thing I've ever seen you do. Sorry. We actually hired Ben, uh, Ben Platt. Like, and I'm like for Hamilton, what? Uh, so it's just like, it, it, that is my brand, but I think going off of that, the self-deprecation uh, uh, of ourselves and, and our humor and whatever, and how we interact and treat ourselves, the only time that that is passable as far as being like appropriate and people feeling comfortable with it is when you genuinely know that it's not true. And yes. it's like, I'm going to poke fun at the fact that like Amy Schumer is like the queen of that. As yeah. Just, like, look at this really stupid thing. I jumped it. Like, I felt weird in front of Kim Kardashian, so I jumped in front of her. <laughs> like, I'm awkward, and it's and it's that kind of thing where she's like, I know I'm not awkward. I know I'm fucking a boss ass bitch, but she uses that kind of thing to be like, I'm a fucking human. I make mistakes. I'm a weirdo. That's cool. That's what makes people feel comfortable. So when it's not self-deprecating in a negative way, that's like, mm, I'm really bad. I had a really bad audition today. It's just like, cool. You had a bad audition. And I think if there's anything we've all learned during this time in lockdown is, uh, I mean, it's not lockdown, shelter in place. I'm very concise with that. Two very different things is the time to really ruminate. And I think, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like I'm coming out of this with a little bit more knowledge about myself. Absolutely. And like where I stand and the, as I gesture to the boys on camera, the fucking people I want to be associated with. Yeah. Like you really you really are like your parents said who you who you choose to associate with. Mm. You know, if you're around people who are kind and motivated and driven, there's a good chance that it's possible that you are too. You know, which isn't to judge anyone for what they do, which one day we will finally talk about people who post too many news on IG, not on this episode. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be posting one today with yeah. just your names in the caption. It'll just yes. be XOXO. Oh my God. I wish we could comment. I can't wait. Oh my God. I can't wait. Um, so, (laughs) well, I don't, I mean, that was a short segment. I might put some other stuff on there, but I don't think there's anywhere to go from there. Guys, what a fucking pleasure. Danny, thank you for connecting me and Cheech. Cheech, thank you so much for agreeing. This has been such a cool experience with the three, with the three of, well, the three of us, the two of you. And I'm going to be real, like as a man, of a certain generation. It's been very exciting to speak to you 20-something whippersnappers with your deep intelligence, commitment, and compassion. It gives me a lot of fucking hope about, one, the arts in general, and just the fucking world. Because to tether and bring it fully around to what we were saying, if two of you are like this, it's very possible millions of you are like this. And that's my fucking hope. I really hope that that is the case. Because if that's the case, we might just be okay. Eventually. It's it's very possible. Uh, the both boys just reacted. I wish you could have seen it. But um, that's just the director in me. I'm like, wait, repeat that. Repeat that and make it authentic. Now turn on the quarter and repeat that. Nope, that doesn't work. Counter cross each other and repeat the authenticity. Go. And that, kids, is what makes you a professional. Boys, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a real pleasure. Yeah, it truly has been. Thank you so much for giving us this platform to be able to have this roundtable and have a month of conversations and 
very similar to what you said, really build on this community that should be cheering each other on. I can't, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to produce works for the Chief Manahars and the Aaron Salazars. Oh. Okay, well, oh, now you're gonna make me cry. All right, guys, on that one. Damn it. Okay. So listen, with all the love in the world from me, Cheech, and Danny, please be healthy, be actionable, and most importantly, be authentic. Much love. For Fuck's Sake Podcast is brought to you by Alvarez Kiko Salazar Productions, hosted and produced by Aaron Salazar. Original music by Manuel Paleo and Giancarlo Bonfanti. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at 4FS underscore podcast and on Twitter and Facebook at 4FS podcast. Thanks so much. Much love.